Arise means to awaken, to awaken. In Zechariah 3.7, it says, Zechariah, it says uh, in 3.7, that the angel of the Lord came to me and he awoke me as a man who was asleep. He wasn't sleeping. He was dumbed down, asleep. Do you see this? So, there's perception, and I know I'm on the ladder. I explained all this last week in some detail about that. I'm going to go from there this week. So, I, I don't want to reiterate it all, for, but if you haven't heard it, it would be good to. And it'll help you understand maybe a little better where I'm going this week, even though this will help you. I just needed to address that for the sake of um, understanding perception. And the Lord went so far as to put a, a real sailboat on Niagara-on-the-Lake when he was talking to me about this, even though at the time I thought it was worship. It wasn't really about worship, or it was, but really whenever the Lord brings you into a truth, you come in on a level. But that, it's going to go up from there. It's like the Word of God. Every, when you stare into the Word, a scripture, what you thought you knew at one point, as the water clears and clears and clears, you can see deeper and deeper in the lake or the river. That's what he does. So he gave me this understanding by putting a sailboat right at the end of the dock with perception written down the side of it when he was speaking to me about perception. This is our God. This is our God. He really does want truth to come forward. He really does want the human race to arise, awaken to, the de- to our Father once again. That's his purpose. There are lots of things going on. Then there's Christ. And this is important. This is of vital importance to you. So perception is everything. And as God has built this in my life, I told you in 1976 in Jamaica, and then in 1981, he spoke to me about it again, and then in 2005, unpacking this thing and establishing roots that I would believe him because there wasn't a lot of people teaching it. Do you know anybody talking about this? There will be people talking about staircases, but staircases they might be talking about is something you run up. Okay? I don't really know a lot, anybody personally. I'm sure they're out there in the globe because God has always got a witness. All right. Perception's everything. We started in Eden, did we not? Where are we going to return? Remember the Jewish time thing? It's not linear. It goes like this. You start where you began. You end where you began. The end is the beginning. Right? Exactly like an NASCAR race. So, we want to end in Eden. What is Eden? It is a dimension of God's presence, a complete awakening of Christ. Right? It's, it's a, a, um, an awareness a realm of awake. That's all it is. It's everything, but that's what it is. And I've been there a few times. 
So he doesn't want you to teach something unless he takes you there first to show you that it's real. And then I, I slid all back down the ladder to where I live, wherever that is at the moment. I told you last week, I believe in the middle of the night, I went up a step. But now I'm even more passionate about the veils being removed out of my eyes. Right? Okay, hold on, Johnny. All right. <clears throat> so, remember, I wanted the perception thing to get in your hearts and understanding because you're going to need it as a platform for where I'm going now. Okay, remember that the way to get in this is the intersection or intersecting of faith and desire. Faith and desire. We've had faith in things, but nothing seems to happen. Did you notice? We fight and fight and fight. Otherwise, all the sick would be lined up here today. There's a little more mechanics of the gate of the heart and the soul, but right now I want to focus on desire. Desire is very important. Desire is so important. What is desire? It, it's, it consumes you. It consumes you. I must have desire intersected like I'm making a cake with faith in order for something to take place. It's like my heart is before the Lord, right? It's open before the Lord and it's desiring Him. It's desiring Him. Day and night it says, I cried unto the Lord, desire. God, I must have you. I can't live another moment here without you. Desire. you got to have it. If you want to move on the ladder, you got to have it. Desire and faith. And as they intersect, yabba-dabba-do. This drink's for you. Things open. Things open. God comes, scriptures come, woo, and up we go, on with the show, right? Okay, listen to this guy, I just, the Lord just opened this guy up to me a few days ago, his name is Jacob um, Boheme, I, I, I'm going to call it that, I don't, I, it's German, he is a mystic theologian that lived in 1575 to 1624. 49 years on the planet. But the guy's a mystic. And he had some deep revelation. Now maybe he was tucked away somewhere that he was able to press in. I don't know. But he had some good stuff. So I want to read, start off this this morning, reading a couple of quotes from him to give some understanding I mean, I'm just, this written from a book of, on the end. Remember the end's the beginning? He talks about that stuff, but he talks about, he, there's books about so many different things, the deep things of Christ. So let me, just to stay with this today, listen to this. There be many masters to be found who presume to judge in the mystery. It's a mystery. The gospel of Jesus Christ is a mystery. The great mystery, until it's no longer a mystery to you, it will be a mystery. Doesn't it say, I forget where it is off the top of my head, that it's a, the glory of uh, God to hide a thing and the glory of kings to search a thing out. Mystery. It's a mystery. Okay, he calls it the great mystery. And yet, 
they are not known or sent by God. There are those, many masters in the church, to be found who presume to judge in the mystery. They're telling you about the mystery of God. But they were never known or sent by God. God doesn't even know them. They have no intimate relationship with God. And he never sent them. It's important to be sent. Did you know that? Very important to be sent by heaven. If you're not sent by heaven, where, who sent you? Listen to this. Therefore, their school, their schools where they teach, is called Babel. Remember the fall of Babel? They work for it. What is Babel? It's confusion. It's confusion. Always seeking, never finding. Okay? He says, their schools babble, the mother of them is the whore upon the earth. They flatter both sides. They play the hypocrites with God. They serve the devil. They call themselves the shepherds and pastors of Jesus Christ. They run and yet are not sent. Much less does God own them. And what they do, they do for honor and their belly's sake, their own living. And they would not run, neither if they did not obtain in their course of of spiritual whoredom and hypocrisy. In other words, if you don't pay them, they will not come. They won't go. Why? Because they're not sent. It's about their bellies. And they work for the whore. Let's call it what it is. We have to separate this thing if you're going to see it. And I'm going to break it more clearly as I go. Next he says, In this time, Zion verily shall be found, and and the heaven shall drop down its dew, and the earth yield her fatness, yet not so as if wickedness should be wholly done away with, for it shall continue till the end. Of which Christ says, Thinkest thou that the Son of Man shall not come, and that there will be no faith upon the earth? Remember, God says this, will there be faith when I return? And then he says, and thou, the children of Zion, shall have a fiery deliverance, that they shall remain. They shall remain in spite of the will of the, of the devil. So what's the devil's will? Maybe that we get raptured out or that we die. Insomuch that God will work great things as he did at the time of the apostles. Are you ready, my friend? This was written 410 years ago. Well, probably before that, before the man was dead. 410 years ago, he says, there's a move coming in the future. Zion will be found. Zion is not up in the sky, guys. Zion will be found. And he says, there will be a move. Jackson? No. Just want to see if you'd 
catch on. <laughs> I'll have to edit that. There will be a movie saying, this guy remembers seeking the face of God, his life. And you're going to see in a minute, he doesn't even talk about things he has not yet heard from God. That's not revelation to him. Because there's no purpose in it. Right? But he speaks what he knows. He speaks what he knows. He says there will be a move as in the days of the apostles. Oh my gosh, guys. Woohoo! Could it be today? Could we be on the brink of it? That's the question. Could we be on the brink of it? Well, we hear it out there, don't we? It's a rumor in the land. Okay. Yet, it endureth not unto the end. For as it was in the days of Noah, after it, as it was in the days of Noah, when he entered the ark, so shall be the coming of the Son of Man, as it's written. So it's going to be like that day. But that the Holy Ghost shall be in the hearts of the faithful in Zion. I'm going to give you some clarity now. You're going to have to look inside. That the Holy Ghost shall be in the hearts of the faithful in Zion, I acknowledge and I know it. For Zion shall not be from without, but in the new man. Right? It is already born. He's telling us this was born in the 1500s. We know it goes back before that. He's saying to us today, it's already born. Zion is here. Behold, I come unto Zion, the city of the living God. He says, I acknowledge and I know it. For Zion shall not be without, but in the new man it is already born. He that would seek it. Let him but seek himself. Depart from the old Adam into a new life, and he shall find whether Jesus be born in him. This is the question. Was Christ born in you? He says, forget about the clutter, what they're telling you outside. All the nice stories. He said, Zion has already been born. It's already going on. And it's not the third chapter of the matrix. It's here. You want to know where it is, he says? You must look inside, within yourself. And you will know if you've really been born of Christ. If he finds it not, if you don't find him, let him enter into himself and seriously consider himself. Seriously consider yourself. So that he shall find Babel and her workings in him, Jezebel. These he must destroy and enter into God's covenant. 
Then Zion will be revealed in him, and he shall be born with Christ in Bethlehem of Judea, in the dark stable, not in Jerusalem, as reason would have it, that Christ should be born in the old ass. The old ass must become your servant. What's that? It's Adam, the Adamic nature. That's where he'll be born. And then Adam must serve the new man in Zion. Does that make sense? So he's clarifying for you. He says, we're living in a day, and this is in, remember, the 1575, 1590, whatever. He's saying, let me clarify something for you. There are a lot of speakers and a lot of preachers out there, and they're speaking from the mountain of Babel, and they're serving the whore of the earth. But I want to tell you something, he says. Zion is alive, my friend. Zion is alive. You want to know if you live in Zion, you must look within. Don't look without. Don't look for something to come. Look within. When you look inside, that's where you look to yourself to see if the virgin birth took place in you. You see, the virgin birth is about what went on inside you. In the stable. What's the stable? In the darkness. On the ass. Called Adam nature. And there you will find if truly you've had a virgin birth. And if you've had a virgin birth, then a new man has birthed out of that place. Out of that moment. And you entered Zion. You started this ladder. All right. Hi. Mm. It's important because, you see, you're not saved in a crowd. It's important to become part of Zion. And it's not a nice song. Or like I said, the third installment of the, book, of, the, of the movie is The Matrix. It's a real place. A state of being. It says, and God shall be their God, and he will dwell in the city, doesn't it? And there is no need of a sun and a moon, for he will illuminate it from within. And you will know the Christ. You will know him. Everybody's running around looking for an answer from Babel. She's a sneaky little witch, isn't she? Okay. Isaiah 53, 6. The Lord wants to take you on a ladder, on a little ride, a little journey to see something. Isaiah 53, 6. We... That's all of us. Like sheep, this is Isaiah prophesying to us, went astray. Each one of us has turned to his own way, and, and God laid on Christ the crookedness of us all. Okay? Would that be fair? What is that? What is that? It's called selfishness and self-love. It's where your ego is inflated to think you are something separate from God. How do you get separate from God is what I'd like to know. 
all between the peanut. It's called pride. Selfishness and self-love. Doesn't mean you're not supposed to love yourself, but it means that there's an inflated ego in you. You want to know what pride is and where Lucifer lives? There you got it. Okay. In my car accident, when I died in the car accident, what the Lord showed me was a picture. He showed me that, you know, what did you think about the, the lady you bought cigarettes at the variety store? Like, why are you bringing this up? What's this all about? Right? He, did you notice her? Did you care about her? Do you have any idea what she's going through right now? No, I just wanted cigarettes, man. He showed me you go, you're like a horse with blinders on. All you care about, John, you're selfish. He was waking me up to my condition, do you see? This is your condition. He wasn't rebuking me. He was waking me up to my condition. John, you have blinders on. You have self-love. You're filled with selfishness. You don't even know she exists because you only think it's about you. When you woke up this morning, do you think the world was here because you woke up? Or do you know that Christ lives? So that was the deal. He's going, Johnny, we got problem here. Houston, Houston, right? I don't know. I'm dying. I'm just trying to keep up with the story at this point. So the process is a journey from entering onto the ladder or staircase, whatever the Lord showed your version you read, which is salvation. Fair? We enter on right here through salvation. First step, salvation. Whoops. Then we go to a servant. Then a bride, a bondservant, knowing he's Lord. Then finally to becoming a son. And then ultimately to what we don't know as yet. And I'll, I'll unfold this for you. Matthew 18.11. For the son of Adam came to save what was lost. I was lost. The car accident, man, I was lost. I was completely self-centered, selfishness. If I had died at that moment, it wouldn't have been a pretty sight where I would have been because I had no concept of anything except me and the fact that God's a judge and I probably am in big shit. <laughs> Seriously. Because the things I've done aren't good. It's not a pretty sight. I'm hoping that a couple of nice things I might have did might, you know, tip the thing in my favor. I have no understanding of who God is, only what religion's taught me. I know enough that he's alive. That's a good and positive thing. That's all I've got. It's, so then, one night, three or four months ago, maybe six months ago, I don't know, as I woke up in the morning, I went into a trance. And in the trance, I looked out over the sea, and I could see a whole sea of souls lost in darkness, like me in the car. Okay, they're lost in the dark. And then he began to show me a dock, and the dock being the Lord calling us out of the dark to be anchored in him. The dock, which is light, and I recognized pure love. Pure love is a freaky thing. The first few times you see it, it's amazing, but it's, it's wild, right? 
It's Isaiah in the throne room. Right? You know? You don't have to be afraid of it. It's only religion in you that makes you afraid. But it's pure love and it's light. And as the Lord began to do this, I realized that darkness is the blindness and light is seeing and becoming one with pure love. I must become the burning one. You know, you hear these people talking today about the burning ones. What is that? It means I must be consumed with the love of God. Pure love that leaks out of me. That's when I'm one with him. How could you not be loving if you're, you're filled with God? And then the scriptures began to roll to me. He began to say to me, like I had these scriptures in the trance, coming from everywhere, confirming what he was showing me. And so the one, I'm not going to do tons of them, one was 1 John 4.20, New American Standard says, if anyone says, I love God, and hates his brother, he's a liar. Do you see why? In light of what I just said. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God who he's not seen? It's pretty simple stuff, really. You can tell, as I, after I had this trance, I began to recognize, I could tell some, where somebody was at as soon as they opened their mouth and started talking. Didn't matter how religious they are, how many scriptures they quote, all the nice stuff they might know, even all the, they can spin it spiritually as they want. As soon as they open their mouth, I could tell if God is in the house. It's a pretty good equation. Discernment becomes fairly easy after that because it's like, do they love their brother? God said, love your enemies. How can I fight evil with evil? Is that going to win? Do I use the same tactics as Lucifer? Do I do what they, Saul did to David? He said, you're going to go against Goliath, David. Here, take my armor. David said, no, man, it doesn't fit. Does Lucifer's armor fit? And yet we hear it everywhere. The church is probably the most judgmental place we've seen. What does that mean in Zion? What does that mean in Zion? Hmm. We must have love for our neighbor. The more we come closer to Christ, the more you will love because he has first loved you. I mean, when I get whacked with the ecstasy of God, you know, I want, it, I want somebody else to feel it. I don't want to keep it for myself like I got. It's like, you know, when I used to find good drugs. Am I saying this, God? When I used to find good drugs, I wanted to share it with my buddies. I said, man, you should check this LSD out. It is like crazy. Right? Well, why would I want to hide the presence of ecstasy of the love of the Creator? for all of humanity. Let me put it in a little simpler way for you. When we had Tasha, we loved her with all of our hearts. It's our first job. Then Sue got pregnant with Matthew. And the question was, oh my gosh, 
how are we going to have enough love for somebody else? Any mother must know this, right? A mother will know this. But the second, it's already begun in Jenny. The second that child comes into the world, it's not that you took the 100% and you took it down and said, okay, we're going to do 50-50 or 75-25 or 40-30 or whatever. What happens is God seems to give you 100-100. All of a sudden, you have 100% love for this child, 100% love for that child. It's like he enlarged your heart, and you're like, I can't believe this. It's because they're unique and different. This is God. This is God. So if I give away what's happening to me, do I lose something? No. I just help you up the ladder. I'm about my father's business. That's all that means. So what's the next step? And these, again, aren't, I wouldn't, um, at this point, swear by this. But I'll tell you something. It's going to give you some help to understand. All right? Childlike. Matthew 18, 3. Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become as a little child, children, you shall no means enter what? The reign of heavens. The reign of the heavens. Okay? Reign, R-E-I-G-N, is the rule. The reign of Christ. You won't enter into it. And the heavens are realms, the dimensions of God. Except you become as a little child. We know, he says, we cannot see the kingdom of God unless we are born again and become as a child. So childlike is very important. And what I want to show you as we go up this ladder, something about your self-centeredness. You see, you still may at salvation think you can direct people and give them wisdom. Then he says to you, son, you want to go forward? Let's become a child. What's a child? He doesn't know a heck of a lot, does he? And yet, he believed his father. That's all. Okay? It's a stage. So then, in Mark 10, 44, it says, and whoever, this is cool, whoever wishes to be first, among you shall be a servant of all. Okay, the next stage is servant. But I want you to see something about what the Lord's saying here even deeper. He's saying, whoever wishes to be first, that's still a competitive spirit. Do you see that? you can still see the self or ego revealing it wants to be first. It's competitive. It's competitive. It's a competitive spirit. I want to lord it over you. I want to be first. Jesus, who's going to be sitting beside you in heaven? You're looking at a soul. This is all about the soul of man. And by the way, I'm not going to prove it right now to you, but God has a soul. 
God has the soul. It's in the scriptures. You're made in his image. It's about the soul of man making a journey. So the soul as a servant is still in a competitive mode. Do you not see it out there in the fields? In the great revival, the great awakening, my tent's bigger than your tent, and they're healing the sick. So just because you can heal the sick doesn't mean you're anywhere here. They're still filled with what God told me on the road at 80 mile an hour. You're selfish, John. You're blind as a bat of the truth. You see? He's still revealing it. Jesus is revealing it in his servants. They're still blind as a bat just because they can move in, the, in a gift. The gift is a gift. I can give a gift to an ant. Does that make them holy? If a ant could talk to us and lay hands on the sick and they recover or prophesy, fluff you up a little bit, does that make them a great man of God? No. What makes somebody somebody that's mature is somebody that walks in the love of God. Gifts follow. Right? There's something higher here. I'm talking about a high calling in Christ. Now, we keep these positions as we go up the ladder into the light of unveiling love. You can be a servant. I mean, I'm still saved up here, right? I'm still childlike up here, right? I'm still a servant up here. Christ was a servant. But if I'm stuck on the level and I'm not the overall picture... What I'd love to do with this ladder is actually invert it the other way. Because actually I'm filled with pride up here. The way up is the way down. The last shall be first. Maybe the ladder actually goes the other direction. Maybe that's why the angels were ascending up to where we think we are. And then they were descending, bringing us to where we're supposed to be. So it probably needs to be inverted. You get saved up here. Just a little thought to throw out there. Okay, what's the next one? Isn't it funny how all little children want to be on stage to be seen? Okay, bride. The next one is the bride. You see this a lot in the body of Christ right now. I lived here for a long time. I still live here, but yet I, it's not my position anymore. But this is a powerful position. Wait till you hear this one. This is a, so good. John 3.29. He that has the bride is the bridegroom. Oh yeah, right? He who has the bride is the bridegroom. It's the revelation of a marriage, a groom. But the friend of the bridegroom who stands near him rejoices greatly. Why? Because of the voice of the bridegroom. So the joy of mine is complete. The joy of the Lord comes from hearing the voice of the bridegroom. You're here. All of a sudden, an awakening happens to you. You begin to hear the voice, a new voice that you never heard before. And what is the voice? The voice is the voice of love. The voice is a voice of a groom who says, My beloved, my beloved, I have searched for you through the whole night. Hasn't he? 
It's a place on the ladder. At that point, joy enters your heart. Joy enters my heart when I recognize that I was a bride. It was a new world for me. I don't know about you. Look at the whole thing with, um, at the time, Bickle was teaching on the passion of Jesus and the bride. Man, I watched him in Chicago, and I don't know what year it was now, a long time ago. And he was on the stage crying. This tough guy was on the stage crying because he'd had a revelation of being a bride. This, this part here, catch this, it's amazing. Revelation of John 22:17, And the spirit and the bride say, come. And he who hears, let him say, come. And he who thirsts, come. Are you ready? And he who desires it, take the water of life without paying. What was it that was in the light? Remember, glory means in the Hebrew, discover my light. And Jesus, as the light, comes into the world. And in, the, in him, in the light, was the life. What did he say? The way, the truth, the life. You want the life? It's eternal life. It's offered to us, but we have to see this stuff. He's now telling us how to get it. The Bible's a code book. It's parables. Revelations, the book of Revelation itself is the unveiling of God. It's not about destruction. Yeah, there will be judgment on the whoer, but it's an unveiling of the Father. It's a good book. It's a good book. Behold, John says, I was in the Spirit, and a door opened, and I seen. What would you see, Johnny? What do you want us to know? What do you want us to know? Life. Life. What is up here? Life. You want eternal life? I don't know about you. I do. I want life. You can all decay and die if you like and be worm food. If that's what you want to embrace. But there's a life that was in Christ, in the light, that came to mankind in the dark to bring him up through an ascension unto himself that he might give us life. This is important stuff. Desire, revelation, desire. What does it cause? The water of life. Without, it says, paying. Joy comes to your heart. This is a picture of a soul now turning towards intimacy. It's what happened to me. Anybody with me? Anybody know about the bride? The bridal chamber? The bridal step? Okay? The soul then, it's about your soul. It turns towards intimacy now. Do you realize that when I started speaking about intimacy five or six years ago, I had somebody step up out of this church and go, when is he going to stop speaking that effing intimacy? I've had enough. Why have you had enough? Because you're not listening. Because God's trying to wake you up. And she couldn't embrace it. She used the word effing, and she's been a Christian for years. Right in the church. Got up. Walked out. 
Now tell me that's not a sad state of affairs. Oh God, that we would know you. It's not found in your head. In the matrix of your mind. It's found in your heart. By the revelation of the Spirit. So this thing of intimacy, what does it do? It causes a laying down. What is a marriage? Look at it. A laying down of self for the gain of love. You got to admit, it's better for me not to get married if I just wanted, you know, everything's mine. I don't have to share anything, right? Get it? Once I get married, things change. I must begin for the sake of love because she's entered my heart. I decide to be a little less selfish, to give. I start to give. Why? Because I begin to love and know love, and I begin to become less selfish. This is a level on the stairs. It's not the end. So we lay down for the sake of love, which is to, Jesus said, becoming one flesh. In to me see intimacy. Let me say it again. In to me see intimacy. A willingness to be vulnerable and transparent, like in marriage. I need to be willing, like in marriage, to be naked before each other. Pressing onto a greater light which is causing me to be exposed. These are just pictures to show you what happens as you move towards the light. You've got to be willing to be vulnerable. You've got to be willing to be transparent. It's like God. You can hear David now? Oh God, search my heart. I love you so much. Right? This is the process of the bride. Next we go to one that not a lot of people today know about. Some are probably there without knowing it. Other people are running for their dear lives because they want their own way. It's called a bond servant. A bond servant. Philippians 2.7. Jesus emptied himself, taking on the form of a bond servant and being made in the likeness of men. Galatians 1.10. For am I now, Paul says, seeking the favor of men? Do I need you to like me? Or of God? Or am I striving to please you? If I were still trying to please men, I wouldn't be a bondservant of Christ. You cannot be a bondservant of Christ as long as there's mixture. As long as there's mixture within you that you can be manipulated by men, by people of famous people, people of authority in the church. I watch people's, on this journey God's been teaching me, I watch people change when they get around certain people. It's the funniest thing I've ever seen. It's not funny really, but it does happen. Right? And I mean, I can take it from the lowest level of, of the entertainment industry, right? You know, 
If um, Justin came in and sat on the couch right now, wanted to listen, would you guys hear me anymore? Or are you focused on wanting to kiss his shorts? No, on the drums. Joe owns the drums. You see? And for Justin, it sucks. Because he can never, no longer be himself. Okay, now let's take it to another place. Rick Joyner, Paul Keith Davis. I'd use Bob Jones, but if he came right now, we might all be willing to listen since he's in the glory realm. But do you just see what I'm saying? Who is it? Who is it? Justin Abraham? Who is it that you're going to change? Do you see what I'm saying? Paul says, am I seeking to please men? If I am, I'm not a bondservant of Christ. I need to be a bondservant. I'm a slave to love. That's what it is. I'm a slave to righteousness. And again, I'm using earthly terms to help you understand something. But it's not. It's really not. I mean, think about it. The bride, it says, submit to your husband. But husband, love your bride as Christ loves the church. That means he was willing to lay his life down. I was a little more than opening the door for it. So how hard is it to submit to love? The person's always wanting is about your, your behalf. It's not that hard to submit to love, is it? Unless you love yourself more. Remember the journey. So we must become bond servants. Um, and I'm riding along here. It's not bad. See that? I'm going to number six. One, two, three, four, five, six. Okay. Oh, whoa, one, more, one more verse for that. Some have one verse, some have a couple. It helps you understand, especially the bond servant thing. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, when are the kingdom of heaven? But he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. It's important to do God's will. You know what a bond servant is? It's when we recognize Christ as Lord. He's the Lord, the Lord of lords, the King. When he walks on the street, wherever that might be, in glory, everybody knows who Jesus is, and they, they call him Lord. The reason is because of love. It's because he gave everything. He, he comes to wash your feet. This King we don't understand. Remember, it's okay to submit to love. You'll do anything for him. You'll die. Okay, what's the next one? Friend. After you got the bond servant thing down, you figured it out, and you're being kind of refined, that self thing that's inside you that's wanting to fight, the Adamic nature. You get through the bond servant, that kind of helps you because now you've kind of been disciplined. You're disciplined now. You're not some horse. You know, you can see these horses, they're gorgeous. But it says, break the will, not the spirit of the horse. Don't break its spirit. It says this about children. Did you know this? But break the will. 
those horses are out of control. Gorgeous, out of control. But once they, the will's been broken, the spirit of the horse is still there, but it no longer is about itself, but it's now serving its master. It's gorgeous, isn't it? What is a wheel within a wheel? Remember what I talked about last week, the Ezekiel vision? Okay. Friend, James 2, 23. Hang with me, please. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, And Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. Righteousness, we, we can try and use this word in a lot of ways, but it's right standing, isn't it? Let me put it in another way, in a right position. You finally, your soul is in a position of right standing. You didn't earn this. You have let it be applied to you so that you could be brought out of the darkness, out of the, from underneath the spirit of fear that operates in the world now. It's, a lot of people are in hell. You can tell them they want to die to go to hell for a holiday because of their lives. Tell them they're not. To a place of living in love, Eden. There has to be a change of kingdoms. I remember when I came to Christ, there was a war over my life. And I very clearly seen two kingdoms fighting. And sometimes the king of the kingdom that once ruled me would manifest in somebody and tell me so. I am your king. Look what I've done for you. And now you're turning from me? I heard it audibly lots of times. It was a scary time for me because I was switching kingdoms and I didn't even know what it meant. I just knew I was in a war. Somebody threw me in a war. I guess I did it when I died because I chose to be in the war instead of just a casualty. So, 1 Samuel, we see a picture in verse 20, verse 16 to 17 says, so Jonathan made a covenant. Did you know that you're in a covenant? Did you know you're in a covenant? If you're born again, if you look within into Zion, and you're part of this, you're in a covenant, not unlike the covenant of marriage. Marriage, in many cultures today, not all, obviously, but some cultures, the fathers would go outside and they sit by the bedroom door right after the, right after the ceremony. Ceremony goes down, we pronounce you husband and wife. They go into a bedroom to have sex, to consummate the marriage. The fathers sit outside the door and they're waiting. Because they weren't really married. You know that, right? Until the consummation, until the contract signed. The covenant, marriage covenant. So they sit outside and they wait. Then the, I'd be a little embarrassed as the, the new bride and groom, wouldn't you? They're outside the door. But they've been down this road before, so we kind of go, right? So then they open the door, we come out, and where do they go? In to check the bed sheets. We want to see blood. There has to be blood, the signing of the covenant. Now, where was the marriage? Where was the covenant being broken? Or, or, or officially, sorry, not broken, but um, signed. It's on the cross, right? That's where the covenant was being made. And the blood was being shed, and we entered a covenant. So now we're in this covenant, just like this. It says, 
he made a covenant, Jonathan, with David's house, saying, And the Lord will require that the covenant be kept by the hands of David's enemies. And Jonathan caused David to swear again by his love for him, for Jonathan loved him as he loved his own life. See the covenant? Does Jesus love you with his own life? He did. Didn't he? And now do you see the other side of the covenant? Is you loving God with your own life? Because you've signed a contract. You're in covenant with Christ. It also said that Jonathan said, David, your enemies are my enemies. They come up against you, they got me to deal with. Well, what do you think Jesus does for you? He says, your enemies are my enemies, and they think they're going to fight me. See, down here, you may think you're in the battle. As you go up, you begin to recognize who's the warrior. It's not you. It's him. He's the husband. He's the one in covenant. He's the protector of you, of your soul right? And you also see this love for a neighbor. Then we see Moses wanting to know his ways, not just the acts of God. We can run around all the signs and wonders. Is that enough? Or we can want to know God's ways. Not just acts our friendship, but to be intimately acquainted with his heart and enjoy being with him. Do you enjoy being with him? Sometimes husband and wives just like being together. They don't really talk at that point. They're just being together, and their hearts are racing. Sometimes his presence comes in my house when I'm sitting, usually looking, and he's giving me stuff in the Word by the Holy Spirit, and it's, it's the house begins to be illuminated. And I don't really say anything. Because I'm just with him, and I love him, and I feel so good being with him, you see? So what's next? Once you've been a friend, you've got the bondservant thing done, you move into sonship. This is the rumor in the earth right now. We don't know very many. In fact, truly, I don't really know any at the moment. But this is something God is taking us towards. This is something he wants. He wants the ascension. He wants us to be his friend, but now move into a place of sonship. And sonship is a place of authority. You have authority with God now. Right? It's about authority. It's all about authority. It's not about power. Power is in authority. That's all it is. Because he's the power, not you. And he doesn't give it to you. You have authority. Remember the ambassador? I'm an ambassador of Christ Jesus. I go to another country as an ambassador of Canada. I go there and I'm in the meeting and I said, no, we're not doing that. This is what we're doing. I don't need to call home. They've already given me the authority to make those decisions. I carry all of the authority of Canada as an ambassador of Canada in that meeting amongst other nations. When you move to sonship, this is what goes on. For the intense longing of the creation, that's not just the planet Earth, 
all the universe and the galaxies, eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of Elohim. The creation itself is waiting for this to take place. We've already been 2,000 years since the cross, the consummation, signing of the contract, and a work's going on. We can still be in Babel, remember? Running around after things in Babel, letting the Hoor teach us. Those that call themselves shepherds of Christ are shepherds of Babel. Or we can understand and look to the Son of God and let Him lead. That's what's going on. He's wanting sons. Sons don't go to the crowd to find the truth. Sons don't go to Babel to learn something. It's confusion. Babel's confusion. Doesn't it say they will run to and fro throughout the earth looking for their ears to be tickled by the next teaching, the next teacher, the next one they're going to follow. I'm not saying they're all bad out there. I'm saying we need discernment. And this is the greater discernment is Christ in me. Zion, the city of the living God. What God is doing, what God is revealing. Okay, for all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Romans 8.14, Romans 8.29. For those whom he foreknew, get this, this one will freak you out. Those whom he foreknew, he predestined to become conformed to the image of his Son. <laughs> so that he, Jesus, would be the firstborn among, among many brethren. Among many brethren. You see the offer to us? To be a son. To be a son. Predestined for this that I might be as Christ is. As Jesus Christ is, so am I, the Scripture says, in this world, in this realm. Well, I'm not there yet, but this is the predestined place that God's called us. It's right here. Then he goes, well, think about this, for instance. Jesus, doesn't it tell us he's a mirror? And as we look in the mirror at Christ, we'll see who you really are and be transformed, it says, into the same image. I watched um, the guy from South Africa. What's his name? He's gone to be with the Lord. Kobus. I watched Kobus in this one, one clip. He's laying on the floor in the power and the glory of God, and he's got a mirror in front of his face. See, most people aren't going to know what he's, what he's doing. But I see this mirror in front of his face, and he's looking at it. And then he moves the picture of Jesus in front of the mirror. Then he moves it away. Then he moves it back. Perception is everything. As long as you've been dumbed down, you are a divine creation of God. It says, created and made a little lower 
than Elohim, God, not the angels. Jesus came as a mirror to say, I'm going to wake you up. Look in the mirror, son, daughter. Keep staring. Do this in remembrance of me. Until finally, the scales, the veils, they move away and you begin to see. So, just about to tie it up. Number eight. Right up here. This is the ultimate goal, right? Just take me a second. Did I screw it up? Oh, I screwed it up somehow. Oh. There we go. See the cross? Okay. The top one is called 1 John 3, 2, New American Standard Bible. Beloved, now we are children of God. We're drinking milk. We're wearing pampers. And it has not appeared as yet, Paul says, or John, sorry, what we will be. It's not appeared yet what we will be. You see, sonship is authority. It's a progression of light. But who are we? In eternity past and eternity future, you're not a human being. It's yet to be known yet to be revealed and seen when God finally shows you. It says, we know that when he appears, because do you realize that Jesus Christ is the son of God, but he's something more than we know. Who was he before he entered the womb of Mary? We can't talk about that, can we? Who was he when he came out of the tomb and he went? He returned to who he was. He came here as a son because you're a son to reveal it to you. It says, when he appears, we will be like him. Because we will see him as he really is. In that day, we will see him as he really is, and we will know because we will be like him. He's the firstborn of many brethren. Yet to see what we will be, and this at the top of the ladder is where the Father is. 
Remember in Jacob's whole thing, the father's there? He called it the gate of heaven. Surely this is the gate of heaven. Read Genesis chapter 28. So this is the process the Lord wanted to show. I called it into me see. I'm the dude really that needs to look into me to see. I'm the guy that needs to see. So I need to look into me and I'll find the intimacy. So when I first get saved, I am rocked. It's incredible. Then I have to become childlike. Then I'm a servant. Why did I want to serve? Because I was so thankful that he let me come back into this world and I didn't perish. I was ecstatic about it. So ecstatic I was going to do everything for him. At one point I was going to go, you know what? There's this revivalist that wouldn't go to bed unless he led somebody to Christ. Should I make Maybe I should commit to that. I'm never going to bed again unless somebody gets saved. That means at least one person is going to get saved every day of my life, if not thousands. I must, I must. The greatest thing I want, the greatest thing I want is that day when I come, he goes, well done, faithful servant. Right? That was where I was driven, right there. Then the bride thing started opening up to me. And I was like, Oh my gosh, God, I feel kind of bad. I love you more. I, I still care about the lost, Lord. I'm still a servant. But I'm so in love with you. I don't know what to do. I'm a giddy schoolgirl, God. This is just too good, man. You're too good. All I can say is, you're too good. At least I knew down here to talk about the lost and saved. Now all I can say is you're too good. Do you see? Do I care about the lost? Absolutely. Why? Because what's heart, God's heart? To bring light into the dark. But I'm captivated by love. And all of a sudden, I'm not so consumed with me. And then soon, I'm not even concerned about him going well done. Why? Because he was saying well done back here. When I was in darkness, lost, he loved me. He forgave me before I asked him to forgive me. I didn't know about repentance yet. And he loved me. He was already out there on the highway when the car was flipping at 80 miles an hour going, oh yeah, oh yeah, today's the day. Woohoo! Here he comes, here he comes. Can't have him, devil. You can't have them. I'm going to let them live. Why? Well done, Johnny. You see? I don't need him to say well done because I know that he loves me before I came to the planet. It was a weakness, something in my soul that needed that adulation. Do you see that? It was disappearing now being consumed by love. Then you go up into the bondservant. That one's a scary one at first because you like to be in control. He says, I want the keys to the car. Uh-uh. I like you, man, but you're in the passenger seat because I'm not sure where you're going to go. We sing the songs, but do we mean them? What is that song we used to sing about a year or two, well, maybe five years ago now? 
I will go where you will go. I will say what you say. I will do what you'll do. Okay, let's go to Afghanistan. I won't go where you go. Well, what were you singing it for? Do you know you're loved? Do you really know you're loved? You see what I'm saying? It's all about control. This is all about control. You still grabbing hold of the last-ditch efforts of your self-love selfishness. Controlled by what? The fear of death. That's the biggest fear there is, man. Fear of death. So then, you, after you've got that working out, everybody wants to be a friend of God, don't they? Don't you want to be his buddy? I ain't got that one nailed down yet. I'll tell you, it happens at times, but a real friend is when Jesus shows up at my, my house, sits on the love seat with me while I'm having a coffee physically, and we have a wee chat. So, Lord, what's happening today? Anything bothering you, Jesus? Anything I could do? A friend. What is a friend? Think about a friend. Jonathan and David. You want to be, that's right. A friend cares. I want that one, man. Face to face, Moses, as a man speaks to a man. And then, after you get that solidified, the authority comes. Why? What was the key about Jesus? I only do what I see and hear the Father doing. I know that he knows what's really going on, man. So I'm just going to do what he does and we'll work out the blueprint, right? To be about the Father. That's when the true authority comes. That's when cities get saved in a day. Not because you're a great man of God, but because you are now a consuming fire. Why? Because you've stepped into love and been torched. And when you step out, you're Fire is just coming off of you everywhere. That was the thing. If you read in some of the historical books, you'll hear that the disciples, they said this. We would come near him when we first were meeting him. He didn't say anything. We were overcome by love. You can't look at Christ and in his eyes and remain the same. He melts you. He looks through you. When I say through you, I mean to every second of your life. Comes summing together in one moment, and you know he's God. And he goes, I've been waiting for you. I love you. I love you. That's who he is. And one day, this is going to happen. None of us, Paul didn't even know, man. Or if he did, he wasn't telling us. This is the journey. I would like to invert it, but that's just my concept. I really see it this way, but the, the, the inversion really is because it's like I need to come down off of my throne of self, right, and go down so I can sit on his 
with him, seated at the right-hand side. What is that? Humility. What is humility? Knowing God. It's not about laying down and letting somebody slap you in the face. It's about knowing God and letting go of the great deception in order to be awakened to the great mystery. Let's pray. Father, into me see. I love you this morning, Father, and if I said that this was 100%, I'd be lying because I, I'm not standing on the top looking at it. I'm seeing it as you've shown it to me through my paradigm of the moment of the unveiling love of God for a soul. That we might be anchored in that dock in pure love, completely transparent and vulnerable, not hiding. So my, my challenge today for each of us is to look inside yourself to find the virgin birth in the stable. To recognize that point of reference and you will know then that you are in Zion. And then the Holy Spirit will begin to quicken to you what he's teaching discernment, living in the light, drinking the wine. (laughs) I told you he comes back. (laughs) Drinking the wine of intoxication that Tasha and Alicia were singing about. Mm. True communion, eating the flesh, drinking the blood transferred out of one kingdom to another that you might know him in the fullness shining through the face of Jesus Christ. Amen.